Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Secret Stories from the Underground. How's it going, Dean? You know, it's fantastic. It fucking ain't, Dean. I'm tired of you lying to the people. <laughs> the first ten it's... seconds, out of the gate, and it's lies. You know, my car said it was negative one degree. What could, you, what better could you ask for? Maybe uh, another degree. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit warmer, God. No, no. See, now you're getting greedy. <laughs> I want to feel my eyeballs out there. Oh, yeah, fucking... It is just ridiculous. You know, I feel what it's like to have your testicles go back up inside your body, fucking... <laughs> You're welcome, ladies. <laughs> you just freeze. <laughs> we gotta experience all that fun. Yeah. So today on the podcast, we have Jennifer Lieberman and her book, The Year of What. We talk about that. Dean, yeah. what is this year gonna be the year of? What is this gonna boil oh, down to this year you know uh, oh i got an alarm going on hand yeah. not professional <laughs> not professional <laughs> well <laughs> you know this is gonna be our year that's, that's <laughs> yeah. a real year being professional this is, this is our year we're gonna step uh, up we're gonna show fucking some awesome awesome stuff's gonna happen i just feel it great <laughs> Glad you feel it. Yeah. <laughs> Glad you feel it. Um, so, yeah, we have things coming up, maybe, because people suck. Yeah, some maybe. people's children, man. I'm not fucking telling you. You send them to school, you buy them books, and somehow they still end up to be cocksuckers. I don't get it. Yeah. You, you can only <laughs> buy them the books. You can't make them read them. God. People are frustrating me, man. I can't get my head straight because every time I do, somebody's like, hey, let's fuck with that guy. Yeah. That's what this year's turning into for me so far. It's a year of fuck with me. Oh, so yeah. So yeah. Uh, Jennifer Lieberman, she was a cool chat. She was. She was a lot of fun. So, um, Go so buy uh, her book. The year of what? The year what? <laughs> It'll be your year, all right? And for the producer of uh, Make Your Own Break. So yeah. she gave some good info there um, for any of you that might be looking into getting into the entertainment field or have been struggling with that. Some awesome insight. Um, so wait, you're telling me there's a struggle in the entertainment well, field? Well, you know, it's not as easy as some folks might like to Are think. you kidding me? <laughs> I thought we just showed up here and people loved us. No, well, we're here. I don't know if people love us, but... <laughs> They we're, do, by the way. We're people, fucking people, it, it, it's oddly strange how many people do appreciate the show in, oh, weird, that, in a weird good. way. In a weird way, I do get the feedback, and apparently people like us. Yeah, oh, you know, I've gotten some great messages in that fucking, uh, yeah, it's, you know, that, that is awesome. Um, uh, definitely better than getting a bunch of you guys fucking suck messages. So. Yeah, the, the only thing that I've gotten... To where somebody said that we suck, and I'll call it out right here, right now, I don't give a shit, <laughs> is apparently we say um too much. Now, here's the thing. I listen to a syndicated radio show every fucking morning. Dean listens to the same one. Now, them guys say um about a million fucking times a day. You want to know why? When something's not scripted, which this show is never scripted, we've never fucking came, wrote anything for this. Oh, we're not supposed to have a script? No. Oh, shit. So when something is not scripted, 
and uh, you're just shooting, you'll sometimes use the word um too much or uh or e, you know, because that's a transition. Sometimes even when you're doing live performances and you're not going off a script, you'll throw too many ums in there. It's just well the way people talk. And for me, you know, we we I don't know if our listeners pick up on the fact that you know uh, hi. Well, <laughs> we talk the way that we talk, but we also when we have guests on the program. We kind of let them lead the way on how that discussion goes as yeah. far as vulgarities and stuff it's like that. It's their show so, at that point, yeah. You know, just in case anybody hasn't figured out, my go-to word <laughs> when I don't know what to say instead of saying um is typically fuck. Yeah, which, now, um is better sometimes. <laughs> yeah, so depending on the guest, they don't appreciate me saying fuck 45 fucking times. Could you go back to um? <laughs> Are you mad at me? Yeah. Could you just um me, please? Sorry. Right. So, yeah. you know, we do that also just to be kind of respectful. So, when I can't say fuck, I'm going to say um, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have dyslexia. Sometimes I got the words in my head, they get flip flop, shit like that. You know, it's just, it's part of the show, man. It is. Sometimes it, he says moo instead of um. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a moor. Uh, <laughs> But no, it just, you know... It, oh my god, do that next time. Throw one of our guests <laughs> off. Did you just move at me? <laughs> when, uh, you know, it's not scripted, sometimes it's just the way it is. And if you listen to a radio show that's hosted by more than one person, you're going to hear that. And they get paid a lot more than we do, to oh, be you honest. Know, so mean, you're talking... It, take it's your why. um People somewhere else. stutter, things happen. Yeah. yeah those are... It's conversation, and that's yeah. that's one of the cool things that, you know, I think that we get a lot of good feedback, too, with ours, is that it's not edited to fucking hell and back. It is what it is. It's natural conversation, and those delays that we have, those are things that fucking help people. That's how people talk. Yeah. Oh, this is a raw show. We do not edit shit. If somebody says the wrong thing, I mean, we've been asked to take, god damn, uh, we've been asked to take things out. We don't. <laughs> now, it's not because we don't respect our guests. We'll use the excuse that we just love the listeners to have all the content possible. And we're not editors. So, yeah. you know. You got to really say something dumb for it to get edited out here. You know. Yep. Or, or one of us do. <laughs> Which has never happened. <laughs> Yet to have to do that. Yeah, but. <laughs> never has happened. We've we've always, for every dumb thing a guest has said, we've said it, you know, way louder. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Dean. Yeah. February fourth and fifth. We will. Well, one of them days, not both of them days, but the event is happening the fourth and the fifth. We are there the fifth. Yeah. But we'll be down in Lincoln with our buddy John from the Metal Manifesto, who hosts his radio show on KZUM. And uh, they're having a benefit, need some help raising some coinage. So we're going to be playing some music along with other great folks. Which is uh, always an awesome time. And no matter where you are in the world, if you support just metal music, check check out the show. They're on, um, you can find them online, uh, Radio Free America, correct? Yep, or just Google yep. KZUM, Lincoln. You know, listen uh, to the show. You Honestly, you will not find a metal show that's actually on the airways on actual radio that's not just a podcast with the type of metal that john plays it's awesome it's not you know it's so much different and uh go check out that show um if you got it in your heart to donate to kzoom they're they're a non-profit station and that so you know 
I'm right about that, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> All nonprofit, man. If you don't so, donate, the bills don't get paid. So, you know, yeah, like, Said, check them out. It's fucking cool. And a big thanks to all the other bands who jumped on this because I know as well as you know that John plays your music and uh, you're very supportive of that because I know I am. So I know everybody else would be. And any bands that out there that aren't supportive of what John's doing and put together and you don't want to do this and give your time, go fuck yourselves. Because you know what? Bottom line, John don't need you. Uh, the station don't need you, and I hope your band never gets spun again. Because just remember that these are good people. These are good people, you know. <laughs> and you want to shit on good people, and not be uh, supportive of it, you know. And I'm just talking to dudes and bands now. Go fuck yourself, because uh, it's a great event to be a part of, and it's nice to know that your music is uh, helping your community. And in a way, this is just helping yourself, because it keeps a radio station on the air that plays your music. So. Thank you to those that helped and those that didn't. Eh, fuck yourself. <laughs> but no, there is a cool lineup of bands, some bands that I haven't actually Very awesome. haven't played with yet. So that's Very awesome. cool. John did a great job putting this together. It'll be an awesome two-day event. Buy the t-shirt. It's only 20 bucks if you're skinny. 25 if you're a fat fucking piece of shit. Um, <laughs> and, uh, is that actually what the size says on the yeah, tag? Yeah, no, no. That, that, that is not endorsed by KZUM. That is a strict promotion through us. <laughs> Me, no. You know, and it gets you into both days. You buy the shirt. Not only do you get a kick-ass shirt with a badass design on it, but you get into both days free and, uh, all that money goes to support these great people. So please uh, buy a shirt. Everybody needs a new shirt. Whether you live here and you're actually going to go to the show, the shirt itself is worth it. So if you live out of state, buy it. It'll oh, be shipped to you. John's good about getting them out in the mail and getting them all over the world. He's got people all over the world that buy these. So. And all those proceeds go back to the station to, to help keep the, the station up and running. So support them. Like I said, there's, there's not a show out there that I've ever found that plays the stuff that John plays. No. No, we have a radio station here in Omaha that claims to be non-profit, but for some reason, all they play is Papa Roach, which I'm all right. I love well, Papa Roach. That's about but the coolest thing they play. God damn it. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. yeah you're right. Yeah, you're right. It is the coolest thing they play these days. Everything else they play on there. Fucking but they claim to give back to the little guy here in town, play the they local bands. They play the down. same fucking local bands, yeah. and that fucking half of them bands aren't even actual active bands. Most of them bands don't even live here anymore. No. They're not even from here. That's like when we move out west, you're going to start playing us here, calling us local. No. Fuck you. You miss that chance. Maybe that's the trick. It worked for It is. It really is. <laughs> no, marketing, I, I've been told that's 100% the trick. You will be loved here when you're gone. They don't appreciate you when you're here. That, that's the market here. Oh, I can't wait for that. No, th that's a real shame because everybody, nobody gives a shit about why. I've said this for a long time, man, because I've been told this by people that are high up in the game here. You know, one is a manager of a radio station that we're talking about. They don't care about watching you come up. They want you to make it and then come back. That th That's the mindset here. You know, and that's a shame because a lot of talented people are spending their time trying to build it here. And uh, that whole time you guys don't appreciate it. You just want a record deal and some name behind it. And be able to call them people a sellout in the long run. Because that's also what happens here when you become successful. Even if they like you, you're a sellout. So... Dean and I will be selling out real soon. Why, uh, why, uh, why a lot of other people sit here and continuously sell their soul to nothing. So. Yeah. 
Yep. So, by the way, just to be clear, it is a metal show we're playing. We are not playing as a band. We are playing as a two-man acoustic. We are, Dean. Why are we playing the two-man acoustic? We have a band. Because... Are you telling me that there's some people that might not care about fucking benefits? Well, you know, you gotta have your morals in the right place. So, it's, you know, what makes more sense? Should you have your morals in hearsay and rumors? Or should you have your morals lie within loyalty to those that have always been good to you and have fucking helped you out? Oh, definitely rumors, Dean. I'm going with rumors. Well, you know, that's today, yes. (laughs) (laughs) That is the world we live in. (laughs) Rumors definitely beat fucking common sense and all that other stuff. Yeah. What's loyalty to a friend or somebody that supported you? Why would you do that? That's ridiculous. I grew up a a drug dealer. I grew up a criminal. I was a criminal before I hit the age of 18, considered by the state of Michigan. Now, you don't want to talk about my moral code, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Because fucking my morals, you know, they're good. But at the same time, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna act like I'm better than everybody. What's funny is some of the same people that you know have fucked up in life will hold their morals to shit that it's not even realistic. You know, it's it's shit. How about my morals should be? I'll never be a drug dealer again. I'll, I'll never put my family through that again. That's where my morals are. Not that I'm gonna go out and fucking play Captain Save a Ho for, for everybody. I can't choose what people say and do. You know and. Well, and uh, my God, it would be maddening to just be stuck in that rumor mill of, oh, this person said this, we can't be friends with them. I heard they said this. You know, fuck that. There's already enough division in the fucking world right now that we don't need another fucking excuse to fucking divide people up and fucking hate each other. Yeah. Really don't. Yeah. You know... And it is, is that because of that, it is really, it's causing a split amongst people that, you know, for fuck's sake, for us, it's causing divides in families and friends and, you know. It is. It is. I thought we were always like this. No, no, we don't typically do just two-man shows. Shit! Are you telling me we lost two guys I didn't even notice? (laughs) They seemed a little quieter on the stage, but... (laughs) No matter who's on the stage with me, and I only say this because Dean will always be there, but uh, I don't give a fuck who's playing the drums, who's playing the bass. Bottom line, the two other dudes are the show. Accept it. Fucking, we'll do this show without you, with you. I don't give a fuck. I've called in a drummer that didn't even know our shit an hour before our set. We will roll with the motherfucking punches because guess what? That's what this business is. It's never being comfortable. It's never fucking this. It's never that. It's we will always come out on top because we are fighters, and, you know, bottom line to it. And one of the worst things you can do is, is in the realm of entertainment is be stationary. Yeah. To be fucking stuck in a one spot, it, you know. That's where we are because of, it, you know, other dudes. Well, that's the thing, is that you can choose to be in that same cycle, play, play the same places, do the same shows, do the same things over and over and over with the idea that hey, this is all it's ever going to be. But... Well, Jesus Christ, anybody that listens to our promotions on here got to think that we're bought out by the 1867 at this point. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, and that's is that if you don't expand, 
that's all you'll ever be. You'll be in that same cycle. And that's why I get, you know, there are a lot of bands and entertainers out there. They only want to be local entertainers. And that's cool. If that's what you're into, it's just not what I'm about. No, I'm about being a local entertainer. I really am. When we move to L.A., I'm going to be a local entertainer. The difference is, is I'm better a local entertainer there than anywhere else in the motherfucking country. Oh, well, yeah. You but know, that's my, the thing. My point, but uh, we're not going to limit ourselves to just doing Well, no. Things. When the phone rings, you pick it up. You know, we've learned that from the guest here. You don't say no. Oh. You don't fucking say no. You need to ride a horse? Sure, I can do that. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, I mean, it's part of the gig. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh, it, it, it's hard getting you know everybody on the same page and everybody focused on the same goals in that anyway. Let alone once you start adding, I said things like caring about. I don't know. He ne- said, she said, shit. Next year will be different. There will not be any of the promotions for the eighteen sixty seven. It'll be places like Whiskey Go Go and. You know, fucking venues that I don't mind spending the rest of my life in because, uh, you know, there's a lifetime of memories to be made there. Not, I feel like I'm doing the same fucking thing over and over again. So, nothing against you, Omaha and Lincoln, but I've made it real clear. I'm out for a long time, so suck it, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) There's only, you know, again, there's just such minimal opportunity here, especially for what we do. Very much. It's it, it just, you know, there are places that we've played and people we've played with that have been awesome. Very been cool so people. So fucking cool Very grateful. Us. Very grateful. And that we've had some great promoters we've worked with. We've had some good fucking cool bar owners, some awesome fucking bands. And, that, um, and to all them people that are awesome, I tell you, pack your shit. Get out of here. You're better than this. You can do better than this. I believe in every one of you, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, there's some amazing talent here. There really is. Yeah. And uh, and the sad thing is, is because it is such a weak scene here, if they don't get out of here, you likely won't get hurt. Yeah. And you won't be seen. And you deserve to because you are some talented fucking musicians out there. Oh, yeah. There. Yeah. I'm not going to L.A. because I think the musicians are better. I'm not going well, heading that way because, you know, we don't have it here. We have it here. We don't have what it takes as far as you know, the support, the, the this and that. We don't have marketing here. We don't have this and that. And, you know, the, you can be as talented as anybody, but if you don't have that, you don't make it in the business. Well, that's exactly what the fuck comes out to, too, is that there is that just total lack of support of fucking... Your local scene here. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got, thank, thank goodness for fucking people like John that, you know, will spin fucking local bands and uh, and give them an opportunity. You know, I forgot, that man has let us come in and take over that radio show. Three times. At least three times that I got proof of. You know, it's hanging I mean, on my wall that he's and, dedicated and that's to been a blast I'll tell you I really hope we get in that studio before we do go and go hang out with John one more time in the studio because we've always had so much fun going in there um, and doing that so I really fucking yeah, hope no. we can get in there I mean realistically through the time that we've known John we've had about 8 hours of that show dedicated to us one of the biggest reruns that John does when he's not in the studio is an episode of us when we did the Alice Cooper fucking tribute thing that's always John's go-to fucking rerun episode, you know, because it did so great. It's one of the highest episode ratings in 
metal manifesto history. So, I mean, that's one thing our band gets to walk away with is we do have the highest rated show that's ever been done out of there, you know. Um, anyway, let's get down. We got somebody we got to interview here. Yes, we do. So uh, give a listen to Jennifer Lieberman. Our yes. interview with her was awesome. By the book of what? Or the year of what? <laughs> the, the, by the book. By the book, is. yes. <laughs> you buy book now. <laughs> yeah, go over to Amazon, buy the book. I'm pretty sure it's everywhere books are sold. So just type in the Google machine. The Year of What by Jennifer... Uh, uh, Jennifer, you're killing me. You're killing me, Smalls. We did say uh, we don't edit this, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> go buy it. It's author Jennifer Lieberman. Such and a great... Actress. Hey, actress. Actress God. as well. She's just... Well, I'm not used to... Producer, just... Yeah, having oh. so many talents in one person. So... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Jennifer. We appreciated your time. Such a great guest. Like I said, go buy that book. Support what she's doing. She's doing great things. So, thank you. That's enough of our shit. Here's our interview with Jennifer. I don't know. I don't know what the issue would be if they
Jennifer, are you there? Hello. Yes. How are you, Danny? Awesome. Uh, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Awesome. Dean's here with me. How are you? Hi, Dean. Hey. Sorry about getting the connection there. We had a little bit of technical difficulty, but you, you're, so, you're coming in really clear now. So. Fantastic. Yeah, we're not technical people. So <laughs> we, we apologize. Me neither uh, until I have to be. <laughs> right. Yeah. And when you have to be, that's when you're under pressure. So, you know. <laughs> exactly. How, uh, what are you up to today? How's your day going? My day is going great. I was just doing some work this morning and I'm hopping on an acting class on Zoom uh, at two o'clock. Oh, very nice. cool. Very cool. Where you, uh, where you live at? I'm currently in Maple, Canada. It's just outside of Toronto. Okay, nice. Where are you guys? We're in Omaha, but we're originally from Michigan. We are, so we're not far from Canada. We'll yeah, have... we're my neighbors. Did you ever go across the border to Windsor to drink when you were in college? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I didn't. I think it's because Dean got kicked out of the country before <laughs> I was of age. So that... Ah, got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was a misunderstanding at the border. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. yeah, leave it up to Dean to offend uh, the coolest <laughs> people in the world. I love Canadians. I, I wasn't driving. I had nothing to do with it. I was in the backseat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're pretty chill up here in Canada. Oh, yeah. No, I've been up there. I, I went up there years ago to see the fame of the opera up there at the theater there. They have an yes. awesome in Toronto. Yeah, we've got some good theater in Toronto for sure. I saw Phantom also. <laughs> So, uh, in Canada then? Yeah, I'm originally from Maple. I grew up in this small town that's been growing rapidly. So it's not nearly as small as it was um, when I was growing up here. And then I lived in New York and I lived in LA. And I've been home since the pandemic. Okay, so was uh, going to LA and New York uh, kind of a shock to you being from small town yes so like i didn't love being from a really small town um so as soon as i finished university i moved to new york city i went like right from my parents house to living in the middle of hell's kitchen and <laughs> had never been on my own before because my goal was to move to new york i knew that when i was in college so i decided to go to university uh, close to home so I could live at my parents house and save money and as soon as I as soon as I finished my last exam I didn't even stay for graduation I packed up a duffel bag and hightailed it to the Big Apple nice nice yeah, yeah. so did you did you enjoy it there love New York I absolutely love New York. Uh, I was there for six years before I moved to LA. I was working in theater in New York, and then I got into film production, which took me out to Los Angeles. But even once I moved to LA, I still have worked on several projects in New York. Uh, so I've had the opportunity to be there for several months at a time over the years. 
The last time was in 2019. I was there for several months. I got to play Gilda Radner and Judy Belushi in the John Belushi story off Broadway. The oh, play very is cool. called With a Little Help, it's John Belushi. And we actually got some exciting news about that production a couple weeks ago. I guess since all of 2020 theater was shut down, they didn't really do any awards. So we found out two weeks ago that the play was nominated for best new play, best off-Broadway musical, and I was nominated for best performance in an off-Broadway musical. Wow, that's fantastic. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, it's exciting, especially since I don't sing at all. <laughs> it was one of the things I never expected in my whole life, but it was a play with music. So it's in it's in like the non-musical category and the musical category. So it's so weird how I got how I ended up there. So what was it like playing them roles? Uh, what kind of research did you have to do? So I did a deep dive into Judy Belushi because that's the role I was hired to play. It wasn't until the dress rehearsal that I was told I was going to be taking over the Gilda Radner role. So Judy Belushi has a biography that she wrote about her relationship and her experience with John. So I read that. I watched every interview I could. There aren't many, but every interview I could with her. I went to a dialect coach to learn how to do a Chicago dialect. Um, and Gilda Radner, I wish, I, if I knew I was playing such a huge icon, I would have spent months and months immersing myself in, in Gilda, but I didn't have time. So I just pulled a few all-nighters watching a bunch of old Saturday Night Live clips and her old stand-up comedy. And I, I already have a Toronto accent <laughs> when I want to. <laughs> So that was fine. I didn't need to go to a dialect coach to do her accent. But um, but yeah, that was a little nerve wracking, like jumping in at the last minute. But I, it ended up being a success. So it was great. Yeah, I, I could only imagine that's such a legendary person to have to portray in such a short time. Yeah, yeah it was it was really nerve wracking. And the fact that it was like in New York off-Broadway, you know, it wasn't like some little theater in Maple. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, I got to ask real quick, did anybody from the Belushi family or anybody from her family by chance see this? So they were invited. The play was originally done in Los Angeles. I wasn't part of the Los Angeles uh, production, but um, John Belushi, I, sorry, Jim Belushi, John's brother, did see the production in LA and gave it a positive endorsement. Um, there also was a cease and desist letter regarding the Blues Brothers um, because I think there was like a, a portion in the original production in LA where they were portraying the Blues Brothers so they had to cha change that around a little bit because that's like a protected entity. Yeah. Um, but also because John is such a huge celebrity, it, you know, it's 
fair use, I believe is the word is the term to write a yeah. story about him. Yeah, oh definitely. Oh yeah, with him being a public figure. Yeah, he's a public figure, so it's fair use. But um, be, but the Blues Brothers specifically is like a copywritten entity, so we weren't allowed to reproduce anything like that. But we did portray the relationship between Dan Aykroyd and John, and they did the the, the actors did play music on stage, and it was like a homage to them without getting without into it, the legal the legal being, issues without it being directly <laughs> referenced yeah. as being. See, we don't get any of these shows here in Omaha because this is stuff I'd actually go see. We don't, we don't, oh, get, yeah, we yeah. don't get none of this. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I, I can mention, I can mention to Jack, Jack Zulo. He wrote the play and produced it, and he played John Belushi. I can let him know that Omaha is dying to see it, and maybe we can yes, go I there. <laughs> we, we do have a nice theater here. We, yeah, just, we have a theater. It's just we don't get anything, that, you know, that it attracts us personally. I guess you know we get good shows here. I shouldn't knock it, but uh, it would be cool to see something like this come. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm sure you get like the bigger budget productions, um, you know, like uh, yeah. Broadway type of stuff. Yeah, like Wicked was or is coming here, I think. In the Hamilton the was just here. I didn't yes. know that Hamilton's like 400 bucks a ticket until my niece wanted oh. to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, Hamilton is very expensive. <laughs> it's also phenomenal. <laughs> is it not? I, I was I, um, fortunate enough to see it in New York with the original New York cast. A friend of mine um, was given tickets as a gift from a client. So we got to go see it, and it was out of this world. Yeah, see, my my daughter is in chorus right now, and uh, her class just watched it. So now she wants to go and actually watch the the musical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they watched the movie in class. Get that credit card out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, but also the you know these productions are so expensive. There's so many people in them, and then you know imagine how many people are on stage, and then there's going to be just as many people working behind the scenes and in the theater. Like so many salaries, you know, oh yeah, have to be covered by those theater tickets. So yes, theater is it is expensive, and it's unfortunate because you know it's it's not accessible to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And and it is because you're right. There are so many hands that go into making a production uh, work. You know, you, you, not everybody realizes why that cost is, is so high. Oh, it's amazing to watch people work at the theater and just all the things that it takes to make all this stuff happen, whether it's a, you know, a play or music, you know, a concert, whatever others, uh, actually make all this work it's amazing to watch you know yeah exactly and uh you know everyone has to be able to live and pay their rent and put food on the table and support their family you know so it's it's really not cheap and it's also time consuming you know um when we were doing this play we would have to be at the theater at six. I'd usually be there by 4.30. Like I like to be the first one in and I like to just kind of, you know, do some yoga and warm up my voice and stuff. So I always like to be the first one there. Um, but yeah, we're called to be there at six. 
and if a show starts at eight, you don't get off stage till 10, you're lucky to get out of the theater, you know, at a, 11, between 11.30 and midnight. It just kind of depends. So it is a six, you know, it's not an eight hour day, it's a six hour day. Um, there were some nights where we were doing double performances. I wouldn't get out of the theater till two in the morning and, uh, you know, get home around three and then you're still kind of wired from the production. So it's not like you can do another job during the day and then, yeah. and then go to the theater at night. Um, you know, there are some, there are smaller theater you can, you can have a day job and then, you know, run to the theater for a couple hours in the evening. Um, but for, for the bigger productions, it's just not really feasible. So they need, and especially something like Hamilton, like that's your full-time job. You're not, you don't have another income. So you really do need to, they need to pay everyone fairly. Yeah. You, know, you got to make enough, enough to support yourself then. Exactly. Yeah. What is uh what's a dream production that you'd like to work at? Oh, there's so many. Um, there really are. Like, I love, I love Shakespeare's Antony and Cleopatra, and like playing Cleopatra is one of my dream roles. Um, and a lot of people don't know, but I'm Tunisian, so I am from that region. <laughs> really? Yes, my mom is from Tunisia. That's where she's born, and her lineage goes back over two thousand years. Her lineage in that region predates Christ. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. So, so that's definitely one of my dream roles. There's some Tennessee Williams that I would love to do, um, and then I I've written a few screenplays. So, of course, to do my own work. And then this is really, really out there. Um, I'm, I'm like a Buffy-aholic. I'm obsessed with Buffy the Vampire <laughs> Slayer. And my dream role is to play Buffy the Vampire in a movie <laughs> where she was turned into a vampire. <laughs> nice. I love the first Buffy movie. Are we talking about a sequel off of the, the 90s movie here? Because I love that one. See, I love the movie, but I'm actually, I fell in love with the movie, but then the show was, took it to a whole other level. I don't know if you guys ever watched the TV series, but. Um, I, I watched a little bit and um, it, it's got such a cool gas to it. Yeah. And, but just like the arc and the evolution, like if you've gone through season one through season seven, like, yes, I didn't love season four. Um you know, there were a couple of seasons in there that weren't as strong, but oh my God, I'm like obsessed with the Buffy verse. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to have to go back and watch Buffy because I, I don't know any of this. Now I got to go check it out. Yeah. And like season six and seven are just like mind blowing. <laughs> when people bring up. Yeah, no, 1992 was a cool year. I liked it, you know. <laughs> I always forget about the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it's funny. So I uh was obsessed with the with the movie when it first came out and the movie had a totally different tone and a different feel to it. 
I would even say the movie's in a different genre than the TV show. The TV show is like way more dark and dramatic, whereas yeah, the it, movie was kind of campy. Yeah, yeah the, the yeah. movie has that little bit of just that hopey comedy. It had Pee Wee Herman in it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. And also, uh, so Joss Whedon wasn't able to direct the movie. He wrote the screenplay, but he didn't have creative control. So finally, when he was able to do the TV show, he got creative control and he was able to make it the way he envisioned it. Like he, you know, he didn't write the movie as, or it didn't intend for the movie to be as campy as it was. Yeah. Or at least from, from I didn't what I gathered. comedy with it though. That's, there's just... <laughs> oh yeah. There's some good lines in there with the comedy. Yeah. When you can mix horror and comedy together, that is my favorite. Dude, you're floating. <laughs> I like to be scared and laugh at the same time. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm that kind the, of psycho. <laughs> yes, and the TV show keeps that. The TV show is freaking hilarious. It really has all the feels. It has the scary. It has some romance. It has the humor. Um, and I just love the verbiage. I love the dialogue that they, the way the characters talk. You know, and it started off in the movie, like, excuse much rude or anything (laughs) obvious homeless i still remember like all the lines from the movie because i saw it so many times (laughs) but yeah i can remember all the lines too but i think it's because i had a crush on all them girls like (laughs) see that's why you like the tv show as well yeah you know i'm sure uh so growing up was there an actor or an actress that you know really influenced you Oh, uh, definitely. I think there were there were a lot of actors that influenced me. Um, well, growing up, like my favorite movie was Dirty Dancing. And uh, I love Jennifer Grey. I know she didn't really do much after Dirty Dancing because of the plastic surgery debacle. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, must have been bad because she won't even do this show. <laughs> <laughs> And we're audio. She had a nose nose job that made her unrecognizable. So she'd go in for meetings and people wouldn't believe it was her because she didn't look like herself. Yeah, because she she had a very unique look. Honestly, you know, I thought she was beautiful the way that she was. Yeah. Prior to that, um, you know, yeah, because she was in uh, Ferris Bueller as well. Exactly. She was in Ferris Bueller. So she was phenomenal and um who else it's so funny i'm like it escapes me now but um yeah i definitely i'm like what other what other things like christy swanson for sure she was the star of buffy i loved her (laughs) and uh um what else i'm sorry it's such a weird I know all the actors that, like, I admire today. I don't really remember the ones from childhood. You'll think of 10 more once the interview's over. Don't worry. That's the way it goes, yeah. We like to put people on the spot here. That's what we do. Yeah. So then you said you you made the transition going from New York to L.A., correct? Yeah. So what was that? Because that's got to be worlds apart well that's a lot different from canada too yeah exactly (laughs) yeah so new york was total culture shock and i was quite young i was 20 when i moved so that was total culture shock but i'm kind of a tough cookie 
So I was able to make it work. I'm pretty assertive. I'm not, um, I'm not a wallflower by any means. <laughs> so, and I've never had a problem kind of sticking up for myself. I, there's even like a story of where I broke up a fight on the subway. <laughs> because, nice. yeah, like I've just always been kind of ballsy. So that was, that was great. And then I never really intended to move to LA. I was going to LA. I went to LA for a film festival that a film I was involved in got to go to. And while I was there, I just kind of went on a couple of auditions because that's what actors do. And I landed a couple of things and I was just like, well, maybe it's time to give this a try because I knew I wanted to, I didn't just want to do theater. I definitely wanted to do film and TV as well. So I just kind of figured, give it a shot and see what happens. Now, what uh, what city did you enjoy, New York or, or uh, L.A.? I love the energy of New York. New York is electric, and it, there's so much hustle and bustle, and I'm very high energy. And I also love that New York is really diverse, not just diverse in terms of culture and people. It's diverse in terms of industry. So New York's okay. the center of so many things. It's not just the center of one thing. Um, LA is the center of one thing and that's Hollywood. So it's less interesting to me just because every kind of cafe or coffee shop or everyone's having the same conversation, you know, about their script or about their agent or about their audition. Um, whereas New York, people talk about fashion, they talk about finance, they talk about art, they talk about literature, you know, because there's so many other things happening there. Um, but LA is gorgeous. And I developed a love of hiking and being very outdoorsy because you can be outdoors and active all year round. So um, I, I have different special places in my heart for both of those cities, but I see myself more in New York, especially after um, the last, the, before the pandemic, the last project I worked on, I was in New York for several months and I was just like, yeah, this is kind of where I vibe the best. Now, uh, we hate to spend too much time talking about it, but what's the pandemic been like for you guys up there in Canada? So the rules have been pretty strict up here. Um, we were behind. We were like three months behind the U.S. with getting the vaccine to roll out. So we were locked down quite longer. Um, the rules are more strict. Canadians don't protest as much. So there's, I just noticed like in, you know, in Europe and Australia and the U.S. Well, Australia's let's not even get into that. But there's been a lot more protesting about the about the masks and the mandates and the and the lockdowns, whereas Canadians are we're so polite, we're just like, oh my goodness, I would never want to hurt somebody else. I'll stay home forever. So you didn't have anybody attempt to uh, kidnap any politician over uh, not being able to get their haircut. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we you know we just kind of made the best of it you know as best we could 
Welcome to America. Yeah, yeah. No, sadly, <laughs> that's a story out of our home state. They're out of Michigan. That they. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but also, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with how strict things are. Um, yeah. In in Canada, and I. I'm, I'm about to get political. Is that okay? Well, you, can get, you can get political. Yeah. Well, basically, <laughs> you know, it's like a one and a half, two percent fatality rate. So I, I do feel like we are overreacting. And I guess it's better to overreact than underreact. But I also think for people who are young, who don't have comorbidities, who aren't really in the risk category, I think they should have the option to kind of live their life. And for the people who know they're vulnerable, they have to take it upon themselves to be cautious. I don't think we need the government regulating that. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, I, I don't disagree with you there. That's, uh, you know, um, and like, for example, I'm living with my parents um, and we've had, we had my grandfather here for the lockdown. So I've been around vulnerable people. So I'm, operating very differently than I would be operating if I was on my own. Yeah. You know, if I was just living by myself. So I'm, I'm not being as social as I would be now that we, now that everybody's vaccinated, it's a little different, but with the rise of Omicron, things are kind of, you know, people are starting to be more cautious here yeah. because the numbers are going up exponentially every day. Um, but yeah, I'm, so not not to dwell on on COVID and all that too long there, but I is there the same hesitancy in Canada on the vaccine as there has been in the U.S. So no, we actually we even though we were three months behind, we very quickly surpassed the percentage of citizens who were vaccinated than the U.S. per cap um like per capita because obviously your population is much larger than ours. Um, we have like 35 million people. You guys have like over 300 million people. Um, so, but there are definitely people here who are hesitant to get vaccinated. Um, I wouldn't have gotten vaccinated if I wasn't living with people who were vulnerable. If I was on my own, I would, and I'm not an anti-vaxxer. My mother keeps calling me an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm just hesitant to take a new vaccine, <laughs> especially as a female. And this is something that like, so just to get into some biology, females are born with all the eggs they will ever have. We don't produce more eggs. Men produce more sperm. Men produce more sperm all the time. So if there's something put in your system, you know, within a certain amount of time, it's out of your system and it's not going to affect your reproduction. Whereas with females, anything that goes in our body since the day we were born is going to affect our eggs and our reproductive system. And I still would like to have children. So that for me would have, was the main reason I did not want to get vaccinated just because the data hasn't, we, we haven't done long-term effects because we haven't had the time yet. So yeah. for me, that's the biggest thing. It's um, It was about long-term effects, reproduction, and the effects on offspring long-term. We have no data on any of that. And uh, 
who knows how how the chips will fall. Yeah, and and that sounds you're not saying that you're not taking precautions in that though. Pardon? I said, but you, you're not saying that you don't take precautions. You're just not wanting to do the vaccine, right? Oh no, I did. I did do the vaccine. I I am double vaccinated oh, because okay. I am living with vulnerable people. Uh, but I said, if I was not living with vulnerable people, I would not have been vaccinated for that very serious and real reason of having no data about how it affects reproduction in offspring. Yeah. No, that, that, that makes sense. Unless, you know, yeah. Uh, still taking precaution and that you're not saying that the, the virus isn't real. You just have a, an honest, legitimate concern. Exactly. And I... And even though I was concerned, I got vaccinated anyways to protect the people around me. Yeah. You know, um, but I think if there's, you know, young women in their, you know, teens and 20s and 30, like, how can you force all these women? Because we don't know what the effect is going to be. And yeah. I know people are going to like, you know, vilify me as an anti-vaxxer, but it's, I'm not an <laughs> anti-vaxxer. I'm bringing up a very, a very serious, we'll, like we'll, medical we'll, point. We'll put up a disclaimer. All right. We're, we're, on, we're on your side. Don't worry. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, no, yeah, and you know. that's the thing. Like I am vaccinated, but it's become so polarized. Even me just voicing my opinion about this, people get really angry with me. Well, eventually, I mean. You know, what you are saying is correct, where the government, basically all of our governments, whether you live in one country or another, they are going to control this eventually. They're going to make it to where you can't travel, you can't work. Yep. And, and they'll, they'll figure it out one day. You know, we're just not there yet. You know, and it is a way of controlling. And hopefully you know. that, you know, roll the dice and everybody, you know, is lucky that there isn't any long-term side effects. But right now, you're, you know, we don't know. Yeah. Exactly. That's the whole thing. We don't know. We are and, a huge test litter. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. Like, I, if 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 the mortality rate, if the fatality rate of getting this disease, or you know, or getting this virus, was, you know, ten percent fatality, twenty percent, thirty percent, I would feel differently. But the fact that it's less than 2% and I am not even close to the vulnerable category, you know, it, it yeah. it's, uh, it's really hard. It's really hard that we don't have autonomy over our own, over our own biology at this point. Well, and and I, I'm not a, a politician and I'm not one of the great minds of our uh, our time or anything. Not but yet, know, anyway. Yeah. I, I honestly, I, I kind of thought that they did things backwards here. Uh, started sending everybody these checks and that to stay home. And, you know, I honestly, I didn't understand. Why not, instead of using all that money, why not send that to the those that are vulnerable that can't work, that need to stay home, instead of shutting everything down? Exactly. Exactly. But also, I understand at the beginning, we didn't know what we were dealing with. And the videos coming out of China were so extreme in terms of like people being locked in their apartment complexes and not allowed to leave for weeks on end. Like, yeah. we didn't know what we were dealing with, but we also didn't take into account the 
authoritarian government that's running China. Yeah. And we yeah, just that, kind of ad adopted their methods without question. Now, for you to get an, uh, an acting gig there in Canada right now, do you have to have the vaccine? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, All in right. Canada, you can't go to restaurants. It's there's a there's vaccine mandates all over okay. Canada. So yeah, you can't you can't do much if you're not well, so, vaccinated. So you guys are actually pushing it a little harder than what we are here as far oh, as yeah. the mandates go. Yeah, exactly. It, okay. That's what so, I was saying. Like we're so polite here, and there's no pushback and no protesting. And in order to do almost anything, other than going to the grocery store. They haven't mandated that yet. Um, now, do you do you ever see a time where Canada will just get super pissed at their government and eventually protest like we do here in America? Uh, there have been some small protests, but nothing of note. Um, I don't know. The, the Canadian mentality is so um, cooperative. Yeah. Well, that's what I do love about people from Canada is honestly, uh, mostly anybody I've ever met from Canada is about the sweetest person. Some of the nicest yeah, I mean, just favorites. super nice. But yeah, it is a shame that, you know, See, people say that about the Midwest here, but it's a fake nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. You know, it's just kind of a different, a different. Oh, and also what I was going to say is, all of our health care is through government funding. Um, it comes out of our taxes. I want to like clarify, we don't have free health care in Canada. We pay, we pay through the nose in taxes to provide the funding to the health care we receive. Um, but because it's all government regulated, they have a lot more control when it comes to public health issues. Now, um, you know, since you mentioned that, I do want to ask, do uh, are most people that happy with their health care? So it's a double-edged sword. So for example, if you don't have anything major, you know, like if you need to go, you get your yearly physical and that's great that you can get your physical and your blood work and all of the tests for free, whatever it is, you know, the male tests, the female tests, I don't need to list them all. But so all of that stuff is great. It's great if you just need to go to a regular doctor. There's a long wait to see a specialist. And if you have, if you need surgery, if you have cancer, you know, you can be waiting. Um, and the, the issue in Canada is it doesn't matter how much money you have you can't pay to get something faster or to get something better. So you can't jump ahead of the line just due to money. It doesn't matter, exactly. It doesn't matter who you are. So, you know, there's a, a group of the population that's, you know, hoping that we're gonna have a hybrid system coming soon where people who do have money can, you know, pay for services it's, you know, the basic health care is great. It's great that everybody's treated the same. 
but a lot of people with money in Canada will go across the border to pay for procedures to get them done quickly. Um, even like an MRI, you can be waiting six months for an MRI or longer. Oh, really? In that, that's insane. That's crazy. And, um, you know, you can go across the border and pay for it and get it done the same day. You can drive to Buffalo, pay a few thousand dollars and come back. So not only um, is that, you know, you know, that's kind of like a flaw in the system, but it's also like an economic flaw because so many, like we're taking all of our money across the border. Like there, yeah. there are so many opportunities for businesses to flourish here. I'm just not sure of the legality of it, of how it's, you know, how they would regulate it. So. So do they not allow private practice there then? Like not as of late, not, not yet. I don't think so. Okay. Man. Yeah. Different. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. I didn't know that. Like every province is responsible for their own healthcare system. So I'm in Ontario and I know that Ontario we're given like a it's like a driver's license, but it's called our health card. They swipe it every time you go to the doctor and their bill, you know, the doctor bills the government. And like my health number, I'm entitled to a certain amount of things. And then anything that's not covered, I have to pay out of pocket. Oh, really? Yeah. Sometimes for some tests, some blood tests, certain things you do have to pay out of pocket. Yeah. Now, is it ever amount or is it usually pretty no, low? No, thank God I haven't dealt with any major medical issues it you know it's just been like kind of routine checkups and routine blood work and things like that um but i'm vegan so sometimes my doctor wants me to get some extra tests done so sometimes those cost a little more nice seven years okay so how did that come to be what was it? just uh choice on your own or so I became uh -huh. vegetarian when I was 12. Um, never thought I would be a vegetarian. I was a huge, huge carnivore when I was younger. I was an athlete. I would train like 20 to 30 hours a week in gymnastics. And I'd come home and be like, I need a steak. <laughs> you know, so I, I did eat a lot of meat. And then I watched, I guess, I watched something about clear cutting and the rainforest and the animals being killed. And um, I decided to become a vegetarian and I was vegetarian for seven, several years. And then I, you know, slowly started eating fish again and then chicken and then meat, you know, and then I went back to being a vegetarian. And then I was in London with a friend of mine who's a huge vegan advocate. And we kind of had an argument because I was saying, like, I don't understand how dairy and eggs are so bad because I'm not killing anything. I'm not hurting anything. And he's like, well, you might need to educate yourself a little more about factory farming. And I did. And then it just wasn't an option for me anymore to subscribe to the system. Yeah. So I, do you ever get a craving still for, <clears throat> for any of that stuff that, that you don't eat anymore? Yeah, of course. And, um, you know, <laughs> but also like the vegan world, the vegan food world has become so much more sophisticated 
that it's pretty easy to find alternatives nowadays. You know, seven years ago, a little harder. Um, yeah. But now it's much easier to kind of find substitutes and find ways to satisfy yourself. Yeah, all yeah. these different food diets and trends have definitely been more open because I know here in Omaha, we have a ton of vegan places that you can go to. And yeah, a long time ago, you just didn't have that option. Yeah, and I'm not the type of person, I'm not an, an activist, um, I'm not, I don't preach to anyone, but I do think that it could be beneficial to everybody's health and the health of the planet, you know, to eat a little less um, meat and dairy, you know. Yeah. Like we've become so, like even if you go back to like my parents' generation, nobody was consuming the amount we consume today. It's just, yeah. it's, it's just an excess, it's gluttonous, it's, you know, we're not very mindful. We're so far removed from where our food comes from and how it's, how it's made and processed, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm about health and wellness of both, oh. you know, both humans and the environment. So it's, oh, it's yeah, hard no. to avoid. Some of the videos of the, yeah, those, those farms and yeah, things, the, they're worse than any horror movie you'll ever see. It is sickening that, yeah, we eat this stuff, but also we treat animals like that. You know, it's, it's, it's gross. Well, yeah, like my father loves to go fishing and he goes up, you know, to a lake, you know, a few hours outside of Toronto and he goes fishing in a lake. He goes on a couple of fishing trips with his friends throughout the year. I have no problem with my dad catching a fish and eating it. Um, right. Because also one of my biggest, one of the biggest things that hurts my heart is the fact that from the moment of conception, the only purpose of these animals is to end up on a plate. Yeah. You know, like if somebody, I, I you know, I'm not, a, I don't think we need to kill animals. Um, but if somebody wants to hunt, you know, and kill their food and take it home and cook it and, you know, provide a meal for their family. Like I find that very, very different than the factory farming. Yeah, oh, I, I agree. Oh yeah. It's yeah, I mean, we grew up in a small town where everybody deer hunts, everybody, you know, fishes, big, you know, game community like that. Uh, yeah, we don't have no problem with that. I got a problem with the people that poach just for a skin or something oh, like yeah, that. You know? Yeah, I've never like, you know, the yeah. your game hunter that just do it for the sport of killing an animal. They're not going to eat it. They're, you know, yeah, you got to eat it. They want the antlers. They want just that part. If you're going to kill it, in my opinion, you got to eat it. That's, you know. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I would, I'm even okay with people supporting like smaller farms. Like there are some farms in Ontario, I know where people get their eggs from. And there's a farm not too far from my parents' house where I can see the chickens. Like I go there and buy my fruits and vegetables during the summer um, when they're in season. And you can see a few chickens kind of roaming around and sometimes there's eggs available. Uh, when I was in Switzerland, the, the farm in the town that I was in literally played classical music to their cows. That's <laughs> and awesome. like massaged them. <laughs> and I was like, okay, people eating that dairy? Like that's different, you know? <laughs> <laughs> see, 
we we have a store here that was doing they were getting um some of their meat from farms like the, their free range farms and they would come it was weird though because on the package it'd be like this was time life and like well, i don't want to eat him now though like you put a name to him and <laughs> yeah <laughs> why'd you <Yeah>. kill Tom? <laughs> Well, that that's the whole thing. If if we had to do it the way that our ancestors did it back in the day, and we had to actually like you know look a cow in the eye, <laughs> well, I'd be a vegetarian. It's not like sure. a deer, a deer. You know, like it's game hunting. It's very different. But if yeah. if I, you know, if you or I actually had to like walk up to that cow and look it in the eye and slaughter it, how many humans who love meat and are huge carnivores? could actually do that oh yeah no I'd, I'd be a vegetarian pretty quick i couldn't i my dad you know he wanted us to hunt and stuff like that and i couldn't i couldn't do it i couldn't just shoot a deer for <laughs> what seemed yeah. no reason <laughs> well he wasn't hurting thing, me. <laughs> nobody like our our history we were never killing animals for no reason we were only killing them out of necessity yeah you know and now i don't even think a lot of us understand what necessity is. Oh yeah, a lot of it's greed-based uh, killings now, or like you know, the thing with the skins. You know, these animals are worth money on clothing and stuff like that, and that's sickening because mm -hmm. you know, if if, if it was people, we would we wouldn't just chop each other up and make clothes out of each other. You know, that'd be an issue. But we can do wearing? it to animals. <laughs> you know, just what are you wearing? Not all right. <laughs> yeah, not all right. No, uh, no, it's not. Why we still have a few minutes with you, talk to us a little bit about the book. Okay, so um, my debut novel is called Year of the What, and a couple months ago, it became a number one Amazon bestseller, so that's super, super exciting, and then two weeks ago, I found out it was awarded the Literary Titan Silver Book Award. Um, amazing you're just winning stuff you know awesome. what? it's so funny because i've been like kind of sitting at home in front of a computer for a year but all of these like really amazing accolades have been like popping up so i i feel really blessed and really grateful um so the book is was originally a one-woman show that i did as a showcase piece when i first moved to la i played 10 characters I basically wrote it, it was called Year of the Slut, because I needed a, a really great title that was gonna like bring people out of the house and into the theater. And, you know, I figured like, gotta be racy, gotta be controversial. Um, and then the show was tailored to show what I could do as a writer and as a performer. So it takes you through all the feels. It's funny it's heartbreaking it's enlightening it's um so many different things and then I, I played all the all the characters which was so much fun and I ended up um winning an award for it in New York I won the audience choice award at the frigid festival and some people started suggesting like this is a great title it's a great story you won an award like why don't you adapt it into a novel so I did, and I went through a lot of rejection, like most, you know, books go through. 
And eventually I just decided to publish it on my own and I did. And then I got censored because social media and Amazon didn't like the word slut. So really? even though it was available on the Amazon platform, I couldn't get approved for any ads and I couldn't get approved for any ads on social media. And it was very, very challenging to get the word out beyond my friend group, so to speak. So a friend of mine um, suggested that I retitle the book and relaunch it. She, she thought the book was great and she's like, it's so much fun and there's no reason why the book shouldn't do well. So why don't you, you know, just give it a new title and, and see if that works. And eventually I was really married to the title, especially because of the success that I had in New York with the title. Like, and I had no problem getting print ads in the Village Voice and Time Out New York. Like, none of that was an issue at that time. You know, that was before things got too woke. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so I, re, I revamped it and uh, I'm proud of myself for doing it because it wouldn't have found the success that it's finding right now. But the story, it's kind of like Sex in the City meets Fifty Shades of Grey. So it's this like crazy dating adventure in New York, like Sex in the City, but the character is super naive and insecure and not experienced with men akin to the Anastasia character in Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like a, a, a cool story there. Uh, you said that's available through Amazon? It's available on Amazon, Kindle, Audible, um, and it's also available anywhere books are sold. So if you prefer um, Barnes and Nobles, or if you have a local bookstore that you want to support, you can order it anywhere. A, with A local bookstore can bring it in within a few days. Very cool. That's awesome. Uh, have you audiobook wise with this? Yes, yes, yes. There is an audiobook. Okay, cool. All right, that, that's that, right. That's up perfect. Our alley. Yeah, I'm dyslexic, <laughs> so uh, if you want the story to make sense, it's best if you tell it to me. <laughs> yes, I understand that. So, yep, there's an audible available. Um, yeah, and uh, it's it's exciting. It's like this racy coming of age adventure in New York. Um, about a girl who who just came out of her first relationship and is completely heartbroken and her dominatrix roommate encourages her to go on an outrageous adventure of sexual exploration. All right, I got to ask, did you have a dominatrix roommate ever? Yep, I did. Awesome. Right. That's cool. That's <laughs> and, awesome. Uh, but she was not a dominatrix when I moved in with her and it was very, you know, hard to come to terms with with that situation <laughs> uh, did they progress as you were living together yeah when i, when oh. I her, she had a full ride to um to a school in new york so the book is loosely based on my life like it started off with my life and then i had to make it like way more interesting than my life <laughs> <laughs> so you know i took a lot of liberties but yes so my first roommate in New York, she had a full ride to a very prestigious school. She's a genius, IQ off the charts. 
And at some point in time, she just kind of decided that school was boring and she wanted to do that. So she was working in a dungeon in Chelsea as a dominatrix for some time. <laughs> that is amazingly cool. <laughs> I, I like that. That's funny. Uh, yeah, it's it's very funny. Like, in, I was very uneasy about it at the time, but had to come to terms with it. But that's what New York does, right? New York exposed <laughs> to so many things that you never thought you'd like be exposed to, and then after a while, it just normalizes in your psyche. Not <laughs> college for trade school. I like it. Oh, <laughs> 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 um, so where can people uh, find you at on social media? So my handle on all my social media is I am Jen Lieberman. So you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter um, with I am Jen Lieberman. You can also find my website, jenniferliebermanactor.com. And on that website, there'll be links to um, my books, I have more. I have a couple of how-to books also, but we don't need to get into those today. So you can find everything I do through that. All my web websites link to each other, um, but jenniferliebermanactor.com is the main one. And I am Jen Lieberman is how to awesome. find me. Well, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Hopefully you will come back next year and tell yeah. us all the great stuff that you've won. Yeah. Hey, you, you've got some uh, some films that, yeah, I would like to talk with you again next time about there that uh, we don't have the time to go over here today. But, yeah, I would like to go over yes. those next time we can get you back. I would absolutely love to come back. It's been such a pleasure chatting with both of you, Danny and Dean. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity. And I'm sorry if I, if I cause a little controversy. But you know what? We can all use a little controversy in our lives. It helps us grow. Hey, right? Just makes for a fun episode. If you can <laughs> set a bigger fire than we can, we'll, we'll be friends, all right? <laughs> awesome. Well, 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 I'll have to, like, bring the Belushi show to Omaha, and we can have, like, a fire-building contest together. All right. Awesome. <laughs> Sounds great. You, uh, you take care, and you have a great holiday. Thanks. You, too. Happy holidays. All take right. care. Take care. Bye. Bye.